We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Packer fans, we made it. It's wildcard weekend. The playoffs are here. And guess what? You can still go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for that first deposit match up to $100. Packers, Cowboys, everything on the line, a chance to go to San Francisco in the divisional round. It's time to go big or go home. And I'm going to do that exactly today with my picks. I am starting with Aaron Jones. More than 49.5 rushing yards. Make no mistake about it. This game is going to revolve around Aaron Jones for Green Bay. They have to find a way to get him the ball. You want to see him up over 20 touches. Probably even more than that. I'd even like to see around 25, 26 touches. Wouldn't even care if it was more than that. Part of that could be receiving yards, of course. But I'm going more than 49.5 rushing yards for Aaron Jones. I think he's going to get the ball early and often. I think he's going to be the focal point of the offense. We're coming off a game where the Packers had their best run blocking performance of the season against the Bears, and it's going to be paramount that they're able to run the ball in this game. So Aaron Jones, more than 49.5 rushing yards. Next, this one feels easy. I know the wide receiver rotations are going to be a little bit interesting, especially if Christian Watson is back for this one. You could have to feed multiple uh, players, not even just at wide receiver, but we just talked about Aaron Jones being the primary running back. You've got all these wide receivers. You've got Musgrave back, Tucker Craft. So there's a lot of mouths to feed, but Dontavian Wicks, more than 2.5 receptions. I am still going with here. He has become a big piece of this offense. They target him often and especially in key situations. I think he still has the ability to separate in this game. I think he matches up well with these Cowboys corners. So I'm going Dontavian Wicks more than 2.5 receptions. And then 
You might think I'm crazy, but I'm going CeeDee Lamb less than 101.5 receiving yards. I think Green Bay is going to hone in on CeeDee Lamb in this game. In the biggest games, one of the the top things that every team tries to do is take away the opposing team's most important player. And in this game, that's CeeDee Lamb. And Joe Barry and this Packers defense have to go into this one thinking, you can't let CeeDee Lamb beat you. You can't let him have a huge game. I'm sure Dallas is going to feature him, no question about it. But I think Joe Barry and this Packers defense finds a way to limit CeeDee Lamb. Now, other Cowboys receivers might go off because of that. That could very well happen, but I'm going CeeDee Lamb less than 101.5 receiving yards. So to recap, Aaron Jones, more than 49.5 rushing yards. Dontavian Wicks, more than 2.5 receptions. CeeDee Lamb, less than 101.5 receiving yards. The best part is you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for that first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for that first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up packer fans happy game day welcome into an all new episode of the pack a day podcast i am your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl i actually needed to wait until game day to record this episode. It is 1.07 in the morning on game day. I feel like I needed to feel the vibe, the energy, and just the emotion of this day going into it. I know that might sound ridiculous to some of you. I know a lot of you will understand entirely. I am so freaking jacked for this game. Don't know how it ends. I think that's what makes it so much fun is, you know, when this, I think, can go a variety of different ways. I've said all week, I think Dallas has more just ways that they can probably win this game, but Green Bay just needs that one opportunity. And it it just, I don't know, something about this game all week long. Maybe it's, you know, cockeyed optimism or rose-tinted glasses, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I have a really good feeling about this game. And before we get into anything else, I just wanted I, I just wanted to express that energy, that excitement, because I think this is going to be a really fun matchup. And if Dallas ends up being the better team and they just hand it to Green Bay, so be it. Maybe Green Bay is on that side of things. But again, I think that's what makes this matchup so fun is I do think Green Bay and their propensity to put up points as of late, they're they're really, you know, capabilities on offense to really take it to teams and win in a variety of different ways on the ground with Aaron Jones feeling rejuvenated through the air with Jordan Love playing like just unconscionable. He is unconscious right now as a quarterback. He is just letting it rip with the confidence of a thousand suns. It is so fun to watch. So to see that and this defense that's come off of back-to-back games, Who knows? Who knows? But I cannot wait for this game. We'll jump into all of the key takeaways, what we're going to watch in this one. Before we get there, quick shout out to our all new Packaday Podcast YouTube members, Nick Behenna, Trav Makes Beats, Dogbone, Andy Globacar, Luke Sleeth, Sam Lurch, Rich Anglin, William Fagan, Cheddarhead, Brian L., Adam Steinke, and Jay Western. Thanks so much for becoming Packaday Podcast YouTube members. Really quick, we'll go over what happened on Saturday before we get into all the things that I'm looking forward to on Sunday. Chiefs beat the Dolphins, Texans over the Browns. That's about all I have to say about that. Not great games. 
hoping we get a better action unless you know it's green bay that wins in a blowout again but hopefully we get hoping we get a much better um you know just slate of games i know we have one less game now bills uh, you know the bills steelers game is moved until monday but overall i think we're going to get two fun games i think stafford versus the lions is still a really fun matchup i talked about it earlier this week on i think it was happy hour but you know hopefully green bay gets that win because then the sunday or the yeah the sunday night game just means a little bit more it's a little bit more exciting to watch, but should be good games. But Saturday's slate of action, not so great. Let's talk about those Packer roster moves. Only one move, only one elevation. It's a semi-interesting one. It's David Long Jr., the corner who was elevated off the practice squad. First reason it's interesting is because they just signed him back to the practice squad a couple days ago. So they signed him back to the practice squad. Now they've elevated him. And of course, the main injury that you're really looking at going into this game is the Jair Alexander injury. So what you you know do is is you probably think that hey either Jair is a real game time decision and you might need to call David Long up and actually make him active for the game just in case or maybe they already know remember Matt last week said we basically knew that Watson wasn't going to play but just didn't want to say it I don't know it it doesn't feel like Jair is going to play in this game and I think it was the early game, I think it was Texans Browns. I don't know if anyone caught this during the game action, but somebody suffered like an ankle injury and then it bothered them through the course of the game. And then the announcer's like, hey, just so you know, when these ankle injury ha- injuries happen, you, you might be able to go out there and start playing on it, but one little tweak and then all of a sudden you're not yourself and you're out of the game. Those things can happen even if Jair is active, even if he's playing in this game. I, I just feel like they probably want probably wanted a little bit more depth at that cornerback position. It made sense to call him up, but I don't know. It just doesn't look super positive for Jair going into Sunday. Maybe he has a true game time decision, and maybe they are just going to test it pregame and see if he can go. And maybe he can go, and maybe he's awesome. That's fingers crossed. That would be amazing. But as of right now, I think you have to kind of go into this of like, hey, if, if you get anything out of Jair, it's a positive and you just kind of have to go into it expecting that you're probably not going to get much, if anything, and there's a good chance he's just inactive. Um, no other call-ups. I think that's mostly a good sign. As far as Christian Watson goes, the other main injury, um, you know, they did not call up Grant Dubose, which they did a week ago. You know, Dubose was not active for the game, so I, I don't think you can glean a ton from that. But my guess, my gut feel tells me Christian plays in this game, maybe 15, 20-ish snaps probably, but I do feel like they're going to give him the opportunity to go. It's sort of now or never. If he tweaks it and he only gets through five snaps, so be it. If you don't win this game, you're eliminated anyway. So I think they're going to give him that opportunity, but that'll be another key one to, to watch as the inactives come out. And then, you know, AJ Dillon, doubtful, I think that's probably just an out at this point. When Green Bay marks somebody as doubtful, they do not play. For those of you wondering, well, they didn't call up a running back. Remember, they still have two other running backs outside of Aaron Jones on the roster. Emmanuel Wilson came back from IR last week, and they still have Patrick Taylor on the roster as well. So they still have three active running backs, even if A.J. Dillon cannot go. Dallas, meanwhile, the only injury that they had in the injury report was Cooper Rush, their backup quarterback who was questionable with an illness. Must be nice. Uh, They did call up two linebackers from the practice squad, Malik Jefferson and Buddy Johnson. Probably more special teams call-ups would be my guess. They are very thin at inside linebacker, and their inside linebackers are almost like pseudo safeties, a lot of them. This could give them a little bit of depth in case Green Bay does go a little bit run heavy and do, you know, and features Aaron Jones a little bit more. But I think this is probably more just special teams call-ups for Dallas. All right, speaking of roster moves, this is just a really quick aside. 
the old adage is sometimes the best roster moves are the ones that you don't make. Remember just a year ago, uh, right around the trade deadline, the Packers were very interested in Chase Claypool. And the rumor and the reports are that the Packers offered a second round pick to Chicago and the Bears, sorry, to the Steelers for Claypool. And Chicago also offered a second round pick. And the Steelers rightfully guessed that the Bears would end up with the better draft pick. So they took the Bears second rounder rather than the Packers second rounder. First of all, that Packers second rounder, very important. You know, they had, they got the extra second rounder from the Jets, but that second second rounder, they traded back and they got Jaden Reed, they got Carl Brooks, and they got Dontavian Wicks in that deal. They, instead of Jaden Reed, Carl Brooks, and Dontavian Wicks, they could have had Chase Claypool. And uh, I saw this tweet on, on, on X. I should have, uh, I think it was Nick Farabaugh uh, who it was. But the Dolphins, before trading for Chase Claypool, were six and two. I think actually they just, I don't know if it was a trade or a, a waiver claim. I can't remember. It might have been a trade with Chicago, but they were six and two before Claypool. They were five and five after Claypool. Last year, the Bears were three and five before Claypool. They went 0 and nine after Chase Claypool. And the Steelers were two and six before trading Claypool and then won an, on a seven and two run after cha- trading Chase Claypool. The Chase Claypool experience has not gone well for anyone. So just a quick aside here, sometimes the best deals are in fact the ones that you do not make. They could have had Chase Claypool and really just probably sapping this Packers wide receiver roster. He has done nothing in Chicago. He has done nothing in Miami. And instead you keep that second round pick, trade it back, get Jaden Reed, get uh, Carl Brooks and Dontavian Wicks. Can you even imagine without those three and Chase Claypool instead? It is a nightmare to think about. So thank you, Chicago Bears, again, for making a very bad personnel decision and saving the Packers from making a terrible personnel decision. All right, Packers, Cowboys, let's jump into it. We've all heard the talk all week. It's house money. This is everything's gravy. The Packers already had a successful season. It's all house money until that kickoff starts. And every player on that roster, every coach, every fan, you, me, all of us, as soon as that game kicks off, the house money thing is over. Everyone is just going to want to kick the crap out of Dallas, win that game, and find a way to keep the season alive and go to San Francisco. And as much as we say right now, it's house money if they lose out, whatever. If they lose and the defense sucks, everyone's going to be calling Matt LaFleur and say, see, this is you kept Joe Barry for this. And if they lose and you know somebody fumbles the ball away, everyone's going to be calling out that person. So yes, going into it, it's great. We're all smiling. We're all happy. Everyone's you know excited going into this one. But I promise you, as soon as that game kicks off, the house money stuff gets put, put aside and everyone is just going to want to win this game and the stakes will immediately raise and we're all going to get our hopes up and we'll see what happens. That's not saying that anything bad is going to happen. Like I said, I'm, I'm pumped about this one. I think Green Bay is going to go out and perform and maybe they just shocked the world. I'll get to my prediction at the end, but again, you'll be invested in it. I'll be invested in it. Everyone will be. It's go time. The Cowboys have won 16 in a row at home. They're basically unstoppable at home. Part of that is due to their super fast defense playing on that fast track. Uh, part of it is the the fans, of course, in Dallas. They just have a tremendous home you know home field and home crowd advantage, and that's going to be a big thing that Green Bay is going to have to overcome. But I like Green Bay's chances of doing it because this is a stadium that historically, at least past the Favre era, 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have performed very well in that stadium, even when it hasn't been against the, 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 you know, the Dallas Cowboys, even when it was against the Steelers in the Super Bowl. They've performed well there. Hopefully that trend can continue on this particular day. Let's get to my 12 keys to this game. And I'm going to get the number one over with right away because it's always easy. It's always obvious, but it does feel like it is ultra, ultra important in this one. And that is turnovers. This is a stat via Zach Cruz, which he posted out on X. The Cowboys are 6-0 this season when they do not have a giveaway, when they do not turn the ball over. They are 6-5 when they have at least one giveaway. That is a night and day difference. Undefeated versus 500, basically a little bit over 500. The Cowboys are 0-4 when they do not take away the ball. 0-4 when they do not take away the ball. They are 7-0 when they get two or more, more, two or more takeaways. That is, again, a night and day difference. As I mentioned at the onset, and I've mentioned this week, I do think Dallas has more ways to win this game. If Dallas wins the turnover battle, it probably just leans Dallas. If it's even, you lean Dallas, but Green Bay definitely has a chance. If Green Bay wins the turnover battle, I like Green Bay's chances, but I think Dallas can win. But if Green Bay wins it aggressively, then the Packers probably just win this game. And again, I I get the low-hanging fruit here. I understand we can say this about most games, but Dallas has extreme splits when it comes to turnovers. And it just feels like if they're going to slow down this this Cowboys offense, it's probably not going to be... Oh, we just, you know, we we got them three and out a bunch of times, or we it's probably gonna need a big play or two from this defense, just like last year against Dallas in the uh you know what the overtime game that they won at Lambeau, Rudy Ford comes up with two huge interceptions in that game, including one in the end zone that took away points from Dallas. They're gonna need some big plays. And Green Bay's been mostly allergic to interceptions and getting turnovers. I always say, sometimes turnovers come in bunches. If Green Bay wants to make any sort of run or just even get past Dallas, it is time to find a way to get those turnovers. I don't care if it's via interception, strip sack, um, even like, you know, fourth and inches and they they make a stuff. That's I'll take turnovers on downs. That's fine by me as well. Whatever it is, they got to find a way to get the ball back for their offense. And even more importantly than that, I do think they need to give Green Bay some advantageous opportunities. And what I mean by that, their offense, I should say, some advantageous opportunities. They need to get Jordan Love and Aaron Jones in plus territory and just make it so that they don't have to go the entire length of the field sometimes. And that can happen via special teams too. It doesn't have to be via the defense. But if the defense could, I know, take a deep breath. If the defense could actually get points on their own, like when was the last time there was like a pick six by Green Bay? Like I've, I've called all season. I said at some point, Carrington Valentine's taking one to the house. Carrington, now would be a good time. Now would be a very good time uh, to do that. But if they can't get the pick six, can they at least set Green Bay up in plus territory uh, You know, for, for some easy points? Whatever it might be, it's going to be turnovers, both making sure you're not giving the ball away, making sure you're finding the way to take the ball away, setting the offense up for success, and just making it so that the offense doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting in this game. Number two, I talked about this one last week. I've been waiting for a breakout. I got to have something a little bit more from Rashawn Gary. And I'll say it again. I don't think he's playing poorly, but he's not being the big time impact player. Terrence Steele has allowed 54 pressures on the season. That's one of the top pressure percentages in the league from a allowed standpoint. It's a lot of pressures allowed. This is the matchup. Rashawn Gary versus Terrence Steele. Make his day a living hell, which in turn makes Dak's day 
a living hell, which in turn means that you probably have to chip with a running back or keep a tight end in, which changes your offense, gives you less weapons out on the field, gives your secondary more opportunities to maybe double a CD lamb or take out their wide receivers, whatever it is. If you want to be a big time, highest paid, you know, pass rusher, I know he already is, but you got to make these big impact plays in big impact games. You are the face of this defense. No question about it. Rashawn Gary is the guy. Preston has been great. Kenny has been really, really good. He's been great too. I'll just say that. Uh, Jair certainly is still going to have his say when he plays his best football, but Rashawn is the face of this defense. He has to be the guy. He has to be the intimidator, the enforcer, and the guy that's making those big plays. This is the day for Rashawn Gary to step up, make a huge impact, and be the guy that really makes it so that this defense has a chance to get some turnovers, get Dallas off the field, get some three and outs, and set the offense up for success. Hey friends, I'm sure you're all familiar with some of the hassles of finding game tickets at a reasonable price without all the headaches that go along with it. I've been on a bit of a roll lately as I went through one ticketing service that never sent me the tickets and I had to panically try to get a hold of somebody the day of the game. I had another service that didn't allow me to transfer tickets. So when I could no longer go to the Wisconsin Iowa game, transferring the tickets was extremely difficult. It was just all so frustrating. That was until I found game time. Game time is so easy to use with a low price guarantee, event cancellation protection, easy to find tickets, and an even easier to use app. GameTime is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through emails and have those same panicky moments that I did the day of a game. So next time you're buying tickets, make sure you snag them using GameTime, stress-free. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Oh, and GameTime is also a great way to buy tickets for a holiday gift. Just make sure to use code PACKADAY. Download GameTime today, last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Number three, it is paramount that Green Bay stops the run in this game. The Dallas of the Cowboys have averaged 4.1 yards per carry over the course of the season. That's fine. That's middle of the road. Green Bay's defense has allowed 4.4 yards per carry. That's in the bottom third of the league, right around there. Green Bay cannot defend pass and run in this game. That will be a nightmare. They will, if they're just completely at the you know will of the Dallas Cowboys offense and Dallas can run anytime they want, pass anytime they want, play action, spread, power run, whatever they want to do, you're just, you're, you're in a losing battle. This defensive front has to find a way that they can keep their two safeties deep to keep everything in front of them, to limit those big explosive plays while also winning up front and making sure that Tony Pollard and this Cowboys rushing attack does not have a success, successful day on the ground. As I mentioned, if Dallas is able to run the ball effectively and they can keep Green Bay's defense completely guessing and completely off balance of what's coming next, if I told you right now that Dallas didn't run the ball all game, and they just had Dak throw it 65 times, No, and you knew what was coming. Like if I told you uh, Dallas is not allowed to run in this game, they're not allowed to hand the ball off, and the defense knows it ahead of time, Green Bay's defense would still have a tough enough time just stopping this Cowboys offense. So they have to take away that piece of the game. Because if you have both, good night. It's over. You have to make sure. And I'm not saying that like Pollard can't go like, 
20 carries, 80 yards. That's fine. That's not the end of the world. They can manage that. This can't be, you know, Dallas rushing 25, 30 times for 175 yards. That's what this cannot be. If Green Bay has to completely throw on offense the entire day and Dallas is just totally balanced and keeping the chains moving and running the ball at will and passing the ball at will, like I said, you're just fighting a losing battle. So they have to find a way. Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, LVN, Enigbari, Preston Smith, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, those guys especially, they have to do their job. They have to maintain their gaps. They have to play their assignments and they have to make sure that they are not allowing Tony Pollard and this Cowboys rushing attack to take over the game. Because like I said, you are just screwed at that point. Number four, it's another one that probably goes a little bit without saying, but you have to contain CD Lamb and have a CD Lamb plan A, B, and C. I guess is C and D, I would say. C, D. All right. Uh, you have to have multiple plans for CD Lamb in this game. And it doesn't, it's not that much different than, you know, what they have to do against Justin Jefferson through the course of the season. They're well aware of this. The Jair Alexander situation changes everything. I do think there would have been a lot of, of uh, Jair on CD, especially in obvious passing situations if he's healthy, and maybe that's still the case. But either way, I would expect a lot of zone from this Packers defense. That doesn't always have to mean it's passive. That doesn't mean they can't still bring five guys. There are a variety of tools at Joe Barry's disposal that he can show Dak Prescott just to change things up, but you can't just do one thing either. You're going to have to flash a little bit of man coverage. You're going to have to play zone, cover three, cover two, cover four, cover six, you know, maybe, you know, some zone defense where you also have one guy just manned up on CeeDee Lamb. There's so many different things that you can do, but there's not one thing that's going to work. There is no perfect CD Lamb plan, especially with your corners in the state that they're in with so many injuries and specifically Jair being hurt. It's just going to have to be a team of, you know, a, a team effort that starts up front. That's not somebody covering CD Lamb. That's pressure up front. You've got to get quick pressure on Dak so they can't allow these big, long developing plays. If Dak has five, six seconds to throw the ball, CD's just going to get open. Like, you can't defend him for that long. And you can't expect the corners to defend him for that long. And the more time, effort, and energy that Green Bay's defense puts into CeeDee Lamb, it means that it's more time for Gallup and Cooks and all those guys. So again, you can't do any one thing. There's no perfect plan, but you have to have multiple options that you can throw at him. And I, I go back to this. In big games, in playoff situations, in playoff scenarios, you cannot let the opposing best player beat you. You have to find a way to take him out of the game. And if Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks and Tony Pollard and you know those guys are the ones that beat you, all right, so be it. But you can't let CeeDee Lamb do it. You cannot let him go you know, eight catches, 175 yards, and two or three touchdowns. That's just a recipe for disaster. So again, multiple plans to take him out of the game, and you can't let their best weapon be the one that beats you and takes you out of the playoffs. Number five, and this kind of goes hand in hand with CeeDee Lamb, you have to find a way to limit Dallas's explosive pass plays. Easy for me to say. Cowboys were fifth with 64 pass plays of 20 plus yards this past season. Fifth in the league. If if Dak gets in a rhythm, has all the time in the world to throw, these receivers are adept at getting open down the field. They have great run after the catch ability, specifically Cooks and C.D. Lamb. Tony Pollard can as well in the screen game. They're just going to, there's there's not going to be like a nickel and dime, like paper cutting you to death. They're just going to get big explosive plays. So again, I'll say it again, just like I did with CeeDee Lamb. 
it's paramount that this pressure up front gets home and they don't give him time. You cannot let him escape out of the pocket, not to run per se, but to make sure that you don't extend plays and allow CD and Cooks and Gallup and those guys to get open and just more time for those plays to develop down the field. And it's going to be extremely important that Darnell Savage and Jonathan Owens are playing their best brand of football, taking great angles, making sure that they are wrapping up and tackling and putting the word safe in safety. They have to stay safe. They cannot take a poor angle or be ultra aggressive and miss on a play. And then all of a sudden Dallas is gone and it's a 75 yard touchdown instead of a 15 yard gain. Those are, those are the things that break you. It's it's like Dallas is going to scheme up some things and they just have talented enough players and a great quarterback where they're going to get big plays. But can you take those big plays and limit it to 12 to 15 yards rather than 20 plus, 40 plus, 60 plus? Because those are the ones that will break you. It's going to take effort for this Packers offense to go down and score points against Dallas's defense. So it's just, you know, it's backbreaking if Green Bay drives all the way down and puts this 11 or 12 play drive together, whether it ends in a touchdown or a field goal, whatever it might be, and then you give up a 75-yard touchdown right after. Those are the things that can't happen. If you want to give yourself a real legitimate chance in this game, have to limit those explosive plays and not give Dak time for those big explosive plays to develop. Number six, and I'm sticking on the defense here, fundamental defense. Make things hard for Dallas. You're not going to pitch a shutout. You're not going to pitch a 13-point defensive performance. Dallas is going to get points, but can you make it on as hard on them as possible? And you do that by playing sound football, that you communicate on everything. You don't allow free receivers to get free like we saw out of DJ Moore against Chicago a season or a week ago. You, you cannot allow... Um, you know, stupid tackling mistakes like we just mentioned, where they're breaking the tackle and instead of it being a five-yard gain, it's a 25-yard gain. You cannot, Joe Barry, allow on third and five in key situations, your corners to be 20 yards off the ball. All of those things. This has to be a firmer defense that's playing cohesive football, all on the same page, all communicating towards the same situations and scenarios and making sure that you're just making things really, really hard. That's all I'm asking. I'm not expecting perfection. I'm not expecting, you know, again, anything under 20. Like, if can you be around 20 to 23 points? That's what I want to see from this Packers defense. Can you be around 20 to 23 points and get a turnover or 20 to 23 points and get two turnovers? Those are going to be the differences in this game. If it's 28 plus, you're putting a lot of pressure on the offense. If it's at 28 plus, but you get uh, interception that sets your offense up first and goal from the five or something like that, and they get an easy touchdown out of it. All right. That's basically like you gave up 21, in my opinion. It's going to take everything for this Packers defense to hold this Dallas offense down. And like I said, I'm just asking for 20 to 23 points. Hold them to that. If you hold them to 20 to 23, you are giving your offense a chance to win this game. And I think that's all you can ask for, especially with where this defense has been at all season. If, if Green Bay's defense does that, I will have said they did their job. Even if it's 23 points in a 23 to 21 loss, even if it's 21, you know, 16 and Dallas says the ball last and they go down and score a touchdown, if, if they allow 23 or less, I will say that they gave the offense a chance in this game. And going in right now, if I could sign a contract on the dotted line, Green Bay allows 23 points, sign me up. I will take Green Bay's defense allows 23 points in this game. Now, you know, Green Bay can't have points that they allow on offense or special teams. It has to stay at 23. So this has to be complimentary football. 
But 23 points or less, I like Green Bay's chances a lot. 24 or more, it's going to take a lot of effort from this Packers offense. All right, number seven. We're going to start on the opposite side of the ball now. Micah Parsons. He is a game changer, a game wrecker, a playmaker, a difference maker, whatever it is that you want to call him. He has the ability to win so freaking fast. And what's mostly important here is that from a pass protection standpoint, you are also fundamentally sound. You got to keep your feet moving. You got to get your hands on him. And you got to at least give Jordan a little bit of time. It can't be a free rusher, Micah Parsons, because that's over in the blink of an eye. Love will be sacked or there's going to be problems. Could be a sack fumble. Could be Jordan throws a ball that he shouldn't have, whatever it might be. So it's, it's extremely important that the offensive linemen play fundamentally sound up front. The communication between Jordan and the offensive line also needs to be perfect because you can't allow free rushers, especially if it is Micah, again, because he's just too fast and too athletic and he will be on you in a millisecond. And then the other thing is Jordan has to be aware. The game plan for the most part should be trying to get the ball out of Jordan's hands somewhat expeditiously, like get it out of his hands quickly and making it so that Dallas doesn't have time to be the, the game wreckers up front. And then the other thing is that Jordan has to understand because he's done a tremendous job at extending plays lately and making them into big plays or at least giving his wide receivers chances at big plays. He's got to understand that if he is trying to extend plays, that there is a hunter on the other side of the ball that has the ability to change the game in a moment's notice if he holds that ball too long. You can't be a, you can't play afraid but you have to be aware, you have to be cognizant, and you have to make sure that if you are stepping up in the pocket and trying to buy time, that you've got two hands on that ball. We saw Jordan last week have the big fumble. Those are the things that cannot happen. He has to learn from that mistake a week ago and apply it to this game because if Chicago can do it, this Dallas defensive front absolutely can. And again, he's just got to make sure he's trying to get the ball out on time, in rhythm. Let his playmakers do the work. I like the Packers playmakers against their secondary more than I do their front players chasing down Jordan Love and getting past the offensive line, even though the offensive line has been pretty darn good in pass protection. Get the ball to Wicks, Reed, Watson, Dobbs, you know, Bo Melton, Kraft, Musgrave, Jones. Get, Get it to them out of your hands in space and let them do the heavy lifting in this game. There's going to probably come a time and a place where you need to make a big play. So be it. There's, there's a time and a place for that. But for the most part, run the offense, get the ball out of your hands, let the playmakers do the work. Next is number eight. And I'll follow this up with something very similar. Jordan, while needing to be cautious with the ball um, you know, and, and getting rid of the ball out of his hands, this is not a game where he can throw with just anticipation and without vision on what, where he's throwing the ball. If he throws without vision and is just like, whether it's across the body or he just takes his drop and throws right because he, like he's predetermining something, this Dallas team will not only pick it off, they will pick it off and take it to the house. That's where Jordan has to be. And again, this, there's a fine line that you have to straddle here because you want Jordan playing with the confidence that he is playing with right now. You don't want to take that away from him, but you also need to make sure that he is playing cautious enough where you're not giving Dallas, like look at Joe Flacco, you know, he completely changed that game around with two pick sixes. That that game went from, oh, this is a close competitive game to it's just over. It's done. It's finished. Those like Green Bay cannot overcome that. So yes, Jordan needs to play confident, let the ball rip and, you know, 
just play the same way he's been playing. But at the same token, you can't just let it rip to the point of not having vision to where you're throwing the ball, not throwing late across the middle. This is a ball hawking Cowboys secondary. They will take the ball away. So you have to be precise and you have to make sure that, hey, if I don't have vision on it or I, I'm just anticipating or I'm you know predetermining, let's just live to see another down and get rid of the ball rather than trying to force something that maybe isn't there and having it be a catastrophic mistake. Number nine might be the most important one, even though I'm saving it for number nine here. This, to some extent, has to be an Aaron Jones game. And I'm not taking anything away from Jordan and saying that he can't just go out and have a amazing performance and win this game the way he's been playing. But Aaron Jones needs touches and you have to develop the run. Just almost like the exact opposite of what I talked about from a Cowboys standpoint before, where you have to take away their running game and make them one-dimensional. Green Bay cannot be one-dimensional in this game. I'm telling you right now, if Jordan's got like 45 plus throws in this game and Jones ends around like 12 touches, things didn't go great. That's not a recipe for success. This is going to have to be a game where you stay balanced on offense, that Aaron Jones is heavily involved, and you really want to make sure he's around like 25 touches at the end of this game. Not worried about Dylan not playing. I'm more okay with a if Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson are in the game. All right, let Jordan rip it a little bit. And you can change it up a little bit. I'm not saying you can't hand to, to Wilson or Taylor, but when Jones is in, try to feature him as much as possible without being predictable. When Jones is out, try to throw more without being predictable. But it, Jones's touches, participation, and final results in this game are going to go a massive way in determining the outcome. This has to be a game where you keep Dallas really sort of you know on tilt and not knowing what's coming next. Andrew Murtag pointed out the Cowboys so far have lost this year to the Cardinals, 49ers, Eagles, Bills, and Dolphins. And in those five losses, they gave up 222 yards, 170 yards, 109 yards, 266 yards, and 91 yards rushing respectively. When they've lost, they haven't done a great job of stopping the run. And two of those games, 222 yards and 266 yards is a lot of yards to give up. Green Bay should be able to run on this defense. That's sort of their weakness. They want to get you into obvious passing situations. They want to ball hawk and they want to get after your quarterback. They don't, they don't want to get into a slugfest. They don't want to run defend all day. That's where Green Bay can win. So it's number nine on my list, but it might be the single most important aspect of this entire game outside of probably turnovers. Number 10, Time for Rich Passaccia to earn that paycheck and assistant head coaching job. Dallas has a better special teams. Their kicker is phenomenal. Green Bay's kicker is up and down. You don't know what you're going to get on any play. Whalen should have a good game in that stadium. No wind conditions or anything like that. But it's time for this special teams to come up with something. Whether it's a Keyshawn Nixon kick return, whether it's a punt return for Jaden Reed, whether it's a blocked punt, a blocked kick, something. And I guess I'll, I'll even just say this. Sign me up again if we're signing contracts. Sign me up again for just nothing dumb. Can you just break even with Dallas's special teams? Can this be offense versus defense and the two special teams just cancel each other out? If Dallas gets any more advantage than they have already in this game from home field advantage and just probably a little bit more talent and a better team than Green Bay, you're, again, you're just asking for, for, a, for a loss and to be sent home. Rich Passaccia, this special teams, they need to do better. They need to make their field goals. They need to make their extra points. They can't let anything catastrophic happen. And it would be nice 
if once in one of these games, the special teams actually came up with a big play punt block, like other teams are coming up with stuff through the course of the season. Can they finally be the ones punt block, kick block, kick, whatever it might be. Don't care which one it is, but earn that paycheck and come up with a big play that maybe it's the special teams. That's actually the hero of the game for once coming up with a huge play rather than being the one that you're always like, Oh my God, this special teams again. So Rich Basashia, your time is now. Number 11, handle the swings in this game. I go back to the Cowboys game from a season ago. Green Bay was down double or like 14 points. I think it was in the second half of that game. And they just never stopped. They never, they never quit, especially against a Dallas team. That's basically made to be up by 14 points to never give up those leads. I have a feeling there's going to be like, just like the ebbs and flows of this season. I think this game is going to be a microcosm of that. I think there's going to be high highs in this game. I think there's going to be low lows. I think it's going to be the same for Dallas too. They've they've had in their their good games, they've looked really good. In their bad games, they've looked really bad. I think there's going to be some of that in this game. And the team that handles the emotions of this game and handles those swings and the ebb and flow is going to be the team that comes out on top. If you have a bad play and you're like just everything crumbles because of it, you're going to lose. But if you keep punching away and just you know trust your process and go with the game plan, you're probably going to be okay. And I that's almost like for Matt Lafleur too. We and this was maybe more like Rogers Lafleur era, but we saw so many times where like Green Bay would get down ten and it would be like, oh, we immediately need to take a thirty shots down the field to try to get it back. And well, you can't. In fact, that's what they want you to do. You almost need to become more patient when you're down. And again, the team that handles that better and manages those swings throughout the course of the game, it's just going to be in a much better position for success. And then number 12, my final one, manage the moment. It's a young team. You don't know which team is going to show up in any given play, any given quarter, any given half, game, week, doesn't matter. This team is all over the place. But manage the game, manage the moment. Yes, you're in a place where they never lose. Yes, you are seven and a half point underdogs. Yes, you are playing in Dallas. Yes, this is a very talented Dallas team. But you know what? You can win this game. You are a team that is playing, I think, some of their best football of the season right now. This offense has been on fire. This defense is coming off their best back-to-back games of, uh, for a while. Green Bay can win this game. Why not you? Why why not go to San Francisco next week? You got to manage the moment. You got to manage your emotions. You got to make sure that you're doing your 111th, not making any big mistakes, not trying to do too much in this game. But if Green Bay comes out focused, if they come out to play like they did in some of their big games this season against Detroit on the road on Thanksgiving, against Kansas City on Sunday night football, in a must win game, uh, you know, really on Sunday night football against the Vikings, must win game in the final week of the season, 3 30 p.m. national slot against the Bears. If they come to play like they did in those games, they're going to walk out a winner in this one. They've played extremely good football when they wanted to. If they come out and play their brand of football that they did against Tampa or New York or one of those, they're going to lose. So manage the moment, manage your emotions, play your brand of football. Screw the fact that you're young. There's a lot of advantages that come with being young. And you know what? You've got a lot of awesome veteran leaders on this team as well. So go out, take this moment, beat the freaking Cowboys and why not go to San Francisco and see what happens next? Get hot at the right time. Get those turnovers in bunches. Let's keep this season going for at least one more week. 12 teams left as we head into this game. 
Packers are one of 12 teams left that can win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to be the, the final destination for this team, but they are in the final 12 as of this point. Win and go to San Francisco, lose and get the you know 19th pick in the first round of the draft and start fresh next season. Either way, I love this team. I love how they're trending. Jordan Love looks legit, legit. And this young group of offensive playmakers look like they're going to surround Jordan with talent for the foreseeable future. Just to recap my top 12 things to keep an eye on in this game, turnovers, Rashawn Gary, he needs to dominate, stop the run, contain CD Lamb, limit explosive plays, play fundamental defense, have a Micah Parsons plan, do not throw without vision, get Aaron Jones all the touches you can possibly get him, Rich Passaccia, earn that paycheck in this game, handle the ebbs and flows and the swings of this game and manage the moment. Why not you take this game and go out and freaking beat the Cowboys? My official prediction for this game, Packers 27, Cowboys 26. Shock the freaking world. Let's go to San Francisco, play a revenge game. And wouldn't it just be fitting of with all those big games against San Francisco over the year, that this was the team that went and actually got the win. Got to get through Dallas first. Why the heck not? Packers 27, Cowboys 26. Dallas moves the ball up and down the field. They get two, uh, what, two touchdowns, and I'm going to say four field goals. They're just constantly scoring, but it's the red zone defense holding Dallas to field goals instead of touchdowns. Green Bay, three touchdowns, two field goals, end up the winner by one point in this one. Shout out to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, Lori Lord, Baby QB, MB1023, and David McCluskey. Enjoy this game, everyone. Maybe it's the last game of the season. Maybe it's not. Certainly hope it's not. This has been a hell of a ride through the course of the year. Thank you so much for being here along with me. Like I said, enjoy the hell out of this one. Packers playoffs, Packers Cowboys, Sunday football. What more could you possibly want? Enjoy the day, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Live post-game show as soon as the game is over. Of course, I'll have my post-game full recap the morning after as well. Can't wait to talk about it with you guys. But until next time, and as always, and especially today, go Pack Go. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. 
Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.